it's a roller coaster. Every time we bring veterans down, I tell them it's it's gonna be weird because you're gonna be super sad, but then one of the happiest you've ever been at the end of this. It's it's an emotional roller coaster because you it's the yeah. beginning where you're pouring it out, but the moment you hear a strum chord with your words on it, you just sit back and you're so surprised and happy that your words are coming out of someone else's mouth that you just keep going. So the song's done and you're the happiest person ever. But you just talked about the worst thing in your life. An excerpt from today's guest, who's co-founded an organization that helps wounded veterans release their trauma and pain through music and art. Richard Casper of Creativets is here, and I'll speak with him after this break. This is Point of the Spear. Welcome back. I'm Robert Child. This is a very special Veterans Day episode of Point of the Spear. There are more than 17 million veterans in the United States, and it is estimated there are 20 veteran suicides a day. 14 of those never seek help. One organization that is helping wounded veterans release their trauma and pain through songwriting and art is Creativets. And founder and executive director Richard Casper joins us now. Richard, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It is honor, our honor, sir. And congratulations on your appearance on the Today Show. I appreciate that. Yeah, that was a, a surprise. They pinged us not too long ago and said, hey, we'd love to do a story on you. And anything that we can do to share veteran stories and what we're doing. Yeah, that's great. And Carson's great. I used to work with him back in the late 90s on TRL. That's a small world. Yeah, exactly. He's amazing. You know that he's an amazing human when uh, you last in the industry this long and you're working for multiple different shows. Yeah, absolutely. It's a self-weeding industry, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to get into your background first before we get into the organization. And what motivated you to join the military? Well, I come from a long line of, of veterans, like most people who serve. My dad's one of 11, and uh, his all his brothers served in the military at one point. Nobody Marine Corps, though. And when I was going through high school, I knew I wanted to join. I didn't know what branch I didn't have. I just had this passion to serve, not understanding why, where, when I was going to do it. But then 9-11 happened when I was a junior, and that just flipped the script for me. And everything went to how do I get over there as fast as I can to serve my country the way I want to do it? And I ended up going Marine Corps infantry um, in 2003. So I had about a, a two-week summer vacation out of high school <laughs> before I went out to boot camp. Um, but that was that everything at boot camp kind of changed my my trajectory as well. Because while I was in there, uh, they, they had this thing called special testers. And honestly, I thought they thought I was dumb or something because, you know, they, they read out a list of, of infantry only guys and they say, you know, Casper's on the list. I'm like, oh crap, what did I do? Yeah. And uh, they pulled us all aside and they said, hey, we're going over to this other place. And, you know, boot camp, you can't ask questions. So we just follow along and we get to a big group of Marines sitting around going into these little interviews, one-on-one interviews with psychologists and other people. They pull us out, you know, a few weeks goes by. We have no idea why we did it. We go back into some more meetings. There's less of us and then less of us to the point to where there's only about, you know, 20, 25 of us. And they do the very last part of this, which was uh, one-on-one interviews with like a gunny or first sergeant. Mm-hmm. It's come to find out it was a, a program called Yankee White, where we get to guard the president of the United States, either at White House Communications or Camp David. So I ended up being selected uh, out of, you know, started with 
300 something Marines, I think it was, and uh, ended about 20 of us. And we went off to, so I had a new whole mission in life. I, well, not a mission in life, but I had a new mission in the Marine Corps. And I had to go, I still went through infantry school and I had to go to, instead of going right to deployment, like all my friends were, I went to North Carolina for a security force school and then went to a, a eighth and I for 11 months until my clearance or my clearance went through. Once my clearance went through, I, I chose Camp David. So I lived and worked at Camp David for 14 months under George W. Bush. And it was wow. such a cool experience. But then they asked me if I wanted to stay up there the rest of my, like my four-year term was, you know, I had about 18 months left on it. And I said, no, I, I would love to stay. This is awesome. It's not why I joined. I joined to go to war. Um, I can't get out of the Marine Corps knowing I never served my country the way I wanted to. And so they sent me to 20 or 20 on Palms. So two, seven, that's pretty much like a war zone. It's just yeah. living in the desert out there. And uh, I could, didn't make deployment with them either. So I told them, Hey, send me to the next people deploying. Like what's the guy got to do to get to Iraq around here. And uh, <laughs> so they sent me to first tank battalion and a tow unit. So pretty much mounted infantry. And that's where I went to Fallujah or where I went to war from. And uh, when I was in Fallujah, it was less than four months over there. My Humvee had been blown up four separate times and my buddy was shot and killed beside me. And so in that short, short period of time, I ended up with a traumatic brain injury and uh, PTSD, depression, anxiety, all these issues. They didn't come up till later, but that's where they started. And that's, that's a little bit of my military career. <laughs> and you ended it with a bang. <laughs> yes. There's four of them. <laughs> four bangs in a row. Yep. That's what I, I read. It was it was four consecutive months, correct? Well, it was so actually three of them were within a month of each other. Oh, and it, so it was in November. Like November is when I got hit the first time. December is when my buddy was shot and killed beside me. January, I was hit twice by IEDs. And then February at 13th was uh, the last or February 14th was the last time I was blown up and, and considered unfit for duty, which just meant I couldn't go outside the wire anymore. I had to stay at Camp Fallujah for the next three months until we got to go home. But it was doing odd jobs, like making people fill sandbags and, and being like the COG of a little camp inside of Camp Fallujah. But uh, you suffered a traumatic injury, though, from these. Um... Yeah, it was a, a left traumatic brain injury. So it was a lot of my, uh, my uh, well, in Iraq, I didn't know it. And so they sent me to see Corman and, and some hospital doctors on site, but I didn't actually go to a full-on hospital. They never sent me to Bilal to get a CAT scan, like they kept saying they were. So when I transitioned out of there, like the moment I touched down from Iraq, I checked out of the Marine Corps. And I said, when they asked me if I want to see medical, I was like, I don't think so. You guys never sent me to medical. So there not, must be nothing wrong with me. I still honestly thought I was still in like shock mode where I had migraines for over months straight, but they slowly started dissipating. So it was a migraine every, you know, I'd have a bunch in a week, but not every single day. And slowly my, my um, word recall was getting a little bit better, but it was, it was really jolted when I first happened. And so I was just young and dumb and I didn't understand it. So I just checked out the Marine Corps not knowing. And it took about six months after that until I actually find out, found out what was wrong with me. Well, I'm glad you uh, looked into it. And yeah. You were suffering from post-traumatic stress. Uh, See, yeah, that came in around the same time as I really understood my TBI. And it was when I started going to college, I said, you know, I need to be successful. I'm going to take six months off. Uh, I had a Harley at the time I wrote it Sturgis. I did all this fun stuff, just lived a little bit because how many times I almost died. And uh, so when I got back and I said, okay, time to 
time to study some business or, or do something with my life. And I enrolled into college. And that's when I started discovering how bad my brain injury really was. I started failing some some classes. And uh, then my anxieties and depression kicked in. Six months, I was pretty good. And then I started to have to speak in front of classrooms and I couldn't do it. I would physically throw up and get sick. Didn't understand it at all. I said, hey, here's a guy I, I, I guarded the president of the United States. And then I went to war and now I can't get up in front of this class of these 18, 19 year old kids and tell my story. And that's where I really found out about my, my issues. And that led you to a recovery and you, you had to discover what was going to help you in your recovery. And you figured out the creative arts was going to be a path. Yeah, it wasn't even me searching for it. Honestly, it was a cop out. I thought after I started failing my classes, I looked back and I said, well, OK, if I'm going to be successful, the one thing I learned in my transition classes was as long as I have a degree, I can get a job anywhere, especially even FBI, CIA, any of the three letter agencies, police force. You didn't have to have a specific criminal justice criminal justice degree you just needed one so I went back I was like okay I used to draw a lot in high school just doodling not like really draw draw but doodling mm-hmm. said you know what screw this I'll get an easy degree in art like what's it gonna hurt I'll just do it at this local community college get an easy degree and that was the best choice I ever made because it led me into the arts it, it gave me an understanding that I could use symbolism and colors to tell a story that I couldn't tell physically. So I was able to put colors and symbols onto these pages that other artists could read and know my story. So I didn't have to break down and cry in front of people. I would just create an art piece about it and then they would talk about it. And then it helped me talking about a piece of art rather than my story, even though it's the same thing. It made made it feel good. And so while I was there, I also studied um, creative writing. And I started as I as I kept writing these like prose and these poems, I thought how how awesome would it be if I could write an actual song about Luke who was shot and killed beside me? Because then I could just give it to people and walk away because I wanted people to know that Luke lived, not that he died, but that he lived. And I said, I can't tell people that if I break down and cry in front of every, every person, every time I, I talk about him. So if I have a song, I'll just give it to him, walk away. And it does, it does everything I need it to do. And so I started setting this mission on how do I write a song, especially with a brain injury, and I just started looking it up. My buddy Brett taught me my first three chords on a guitar. And he, he told me a little bit about the songwriting process. And I started doing parodies. I started finding t- top popular country songs. And I would write a funny parody around it. And it helped my word recall. It helped me learn structure of songwriting. And I was traveling down this path. At that point, I, I transitioned from this community college in Bloomington, Illinois, to the School of the Arts of Chicago, one of the best schools in the country for mm-hmm. art. And I'm living up in Chicago, studying art, really expanding my knowledge on how to transfer my warrior brain to the artist brain. And I'm working at a bar called Joe's Bar as a bouncer because my anxieties were so bad, I couldn't go to job interviews, but I'd go listen to music. And I'd have a lot of times the uh, bouncer would look at me and see I'm, I'm six foot five, combat Marine, work out. And they'd see me and he'd be like, hey, you looking for a job? And I'm like, yes. And so that I didn't have to go through the, the uh, whole interview process, which caused my anxiety. So it was like awesome. a shoe in. And I love music and especially country music. And so while I was working up there, I met some hit writers and I approached them right, right around the same time I was about to graduate from the school there in Chicago. And I just said, Hey, I have so much going on inside me. If I come out to you in Nashville, will you help me tell my story about what I went through and about my buddy? 
And they said, yeah, it was a, a writer named Mark Irwin, who's multiple number one hits. He wrote Alan Jackson's first number one here in the free world. Wow. And he's had a bunch of hits since. And uh, he said yes to me and nobody random Marine up in Chicago that he met at a bar. And when I came down and wrote a song and a half with him, it just changed my life. I was, I've been trying to do this for a year and he wrote a song and a half in three hours with me, just telling my story. And then on the parallel, I had the art that I was doing. And, and honestly, I was almost back to hundred percent normal just by going to this art school for four years and then learning how to tell my story. I hope you're enjoying this episode. Next time, my guest will be historian and prolific YouTube creator, Paul Woodage, who operates the popular YouTube channel, World War II TV. And I initially thought about trying to make proper kind of documentaries. And I did a couple of them and found out that I hated it, basically. <laughs> and so that's when I moved to, to doing the live stuff. I, my guest joins me live, we record, I press end stream, and that's it. It stands and falls on, on how it was on the day. That's next time. I wanted to take a moment to thank our growing army of listener supporter members. You make it possible to continue our mission of bringing you the best military history authors, filmmakers, and movers and shakers. If you're not a member yet, it's easy to join and it takes just seconds. Scroll down to the bottom of this episode's description and click the support link. You'll come to our anchor page, click the support button, complete the brief form. It's that easy. We're planning loyalty perks and giveaways to roll out over the coming months for our early supporters who sign on before the end of the year. So don't wait. Become a member today, and thank you for your support. There must have been an emotional process to, to work with him and then have him sing your story essentially back to you. It must have been really emotional. For you. It is. It's weird because it's a it's a... It's a roller coaster. Every time we bring veterans down, I tell them it's it's gonna be weird because you're gonna be super sad, but then one of the happiest you've ever been at the end of this. It's it's an emotional roller coaster because you it's the yeah. beginning where you're pouring it out, but the moment you hear a strum chord with your words on it, you just sit back and you're so surprised and happy that your words are coming out of someone else's mouth that you just keep going. So the song's done and you're the happiest person ever. But you just talked about the worst thing in your life. It's crazy. Yeah, it's. I can imagine it's such a release, you know, to, to just channel all that that trauma into a song and and just release it. What, you know, obviously helped you in your recovery. What motivated you to create an organization? It was right after I wrote my song, and I was so bad. I wasn't even thinking about this as an organization at first. I just said wow, what, what just happened to me? I went from doing one-on-one speech with my, with my speech teacher to now talking and playing and doing all this stuff for people and, and having interactions. My buddy, Jesse, has he's missing his leg and has burns over about uh, 60% of his body from a V-bed that struck his vehicle. He was with Charlie Company from Pure, Illinois. And um, I grew up with him and I just reached out to him and said, hey man, I know you hate, hate telling your story, but I made a connection down in Nashville because while I was down there, I met more songwriters. And I said, hey, would you guys entertain me bringing other veterans down here? So at first, I just wanted to help a buddy. And so I brought Jesse down and because uh, he was blown away. He's like, oh, yeah, you're going to you're going to have me come down to Nashville, write with hit writers with you. Let's do it. And so we wrote his song and his story changed his life. He went to his parents. He sent his song to everybody. And I was blown away because I was thinking this happened to me for four years. I, I, four years I invested in arts and music and it saved me. 
can I do something in three days that could save another veteran through songwriting? And it absolutely gave me that like, hey, you're doing the right thing. This works. And so at the time, I met a lady named Linda Tarson, maybe a, a few years prior. She was the only one in the world that I knew that had board experience, like has been on boards, helped run organizations. And I just reached out to her and I said, hey, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what a nonprofit looks like, but I want to start a nonprofit so I can keep bringing veterans to Nashville to tell their story and even start an art program to get veterans to choose art as an option. Like I ended up choosing it, but mine was so random. I want an actual program that they want to go to. And she said, okay, let's do it. And I was kind of blown away by the, like her quick response to yes. Yeah. And then, so she helped me set up some board members on her end who have extensive experience. And I brought in some of my friends and veterans and, and spouses that I wanted to be on the board to represent their uh, networks. And we just launched in 2013, helping veterans. Uh, and it started with a songwriting program, bringing them here to Nashville. The mission is helping a great deal because I was talking with Brett about this. There's a crisis right now in veteran suicides. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, there's uh, the the latest statistics. It's roughly 20 veteran suicides. Well, it's veteran and military. They incorporated them into this equation, but 20 suicides in the veteran military space. So that's including like reserve guard, active duty. But the crazy number of people never talk about is the 14 that don't seek help. And so out of the 20 that commit suicide, 14 don't seek help or at least hadn't in the last two years. And so there's this disconnect with them receiving help because we do know that if they get into the VA or another clinical health area, that they're more likely to survive their episodes. And so our whole mission is for one, to get veterans to understand that art music's an option, but it's to get into their homes and pull them out. So we, I've never met a single human being that said, I don't like music. I've met plenty that say, I don't like art. I don't like yoga. I don't like this, but I've never heard one human say, I don't like music. And so first off, we already know that we're on a good playing field, that we can reach anybody. And so we knew that our music that we created started healing families and veterans outside of our program, people who, who only heard our songs. And so as we kept building these, these song catalogs of veteran created music for veterans by veterans, we started releasing them slowly. And as we released them, we'd get even more people telling us how just hearing that intimate story reminded them so much of their war experience that they were opening up and sharing it with their family members. Yeah. And so we keep releasing our music, attaching big old artists to, to be on board with these releases and truly getting into the homes of the veterans. So when they hear Aaron Lewis's voice or Justin Moore's voice or Craig Morgan's voice, and they see that the artist is creative ads and they get confused by that, they're going to Google creative ads. And then they're going to see that we pay for their flights, their food, their housing to get them to come to Nashville or another art program that we have and tell their story like we just did with the veterans that they heard the songs from. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing organization in, in focusing on veterans in drawing them into the creative space, the songwriting and the art. Could you talk a little bit about the art of programs that you have? Yeah, with art, we wanted to do the same thing. Um, this we knew that it would take a little bit more to get veterans into the art program so songwriting program is based here in nashville fly veterans anywhere in the country here pair them up with pro songwriters they write their song it's really awesome we have a huge waiting list for that program because how obviously like it's kind of like a bucket list item yeah. art again it's harder to get people involved with art but what we do is we enroll veterans into the best art schools in the country we've hosted these programs at the university of southern california virginia commonwealth university 
Belmont University here in Nashville, and then the School of the Arts in Chicago. And we pay for veterans' tuition, their housing, their food, all three weeks that they're there. They're instructed by another combat vet, and they have combat vets in the program with them or wounded vets. And they learn how to tell their story through art, just like we do with songwriting. So when they start on that first day, it's all about some of those experiences they might not be able to express themselves just one-on-one -on -one with, with me or another combat veteran instructor. Mm -hmm. And then we help guide them on the idea of what they could use. And we're not talking about just painting or sculpture. We're talking about having access to the wood shop, the metal shop, the 3D print lab, the photography department. You have some of the best um, things at your ex uh, disposal being a fully accredited art student. That's why we pay extra to get them accredited. Also, because now that they have these three credits, if they want to roll in a school after they're done with the program to keep continuing being an artist, now they have three credits from one of the, the most highest distinguished art school in the country, yeah. and they can keep on doing what they love. And that's the cool thing about our programs are they don't stop when you stop here. You keep doing them. You can go to any university. You can continue writing from anywhere in the country. And so there are programs that will, as long as you invest into what we're giving you, you're going to be able to keep doing it for yourself later down the road whenever you're going through a little uh, speed bump. It sounds great. Besides your own success story of your, of your recovery, is there a story of a veteran that stands out in your mind over the past seven, eight years? Oh, yeah. There's, uh, there's many that stand out, and it's crazy. Like We have some for songwriting. We have some for art that just blow me away, but I'll for this one, I'll focus on the art just because, again, I want veteners to understand that art's an option and you, you, have no, you don't have to have an art background at all to do these programs. In fact, if you're a songwriter and you try to apply for a program, I'm going to send you to our art program because I want to teach you something new. So if you're an artist and you want to come, I try to give you songwriting. There's, there's some stipulation in there where we can keep you on that track if there's certain criteria you hit. But again, we're investing so much into you to teach you a new skill to heal. And so that's why we do what we do. And for art program, though, we had a guy who he was legitimately hospitalized three times in padded rooms every time he'd freak out about the situation that happened in Iraq. And it had to do with the number three, because in one incident, there was three farmers that ended up being killed. And then there's two other incidents in Iraq at the same time that affected him so much that it drove him crazy by the time he came home. He even said one time the toaster looked like it was about three inches from the wall. So he went and measured it and it was exactly three inches. So that sent him into a, uh, a trigger and he started doing equations all over the wall that his wife had to hospitalize him. It got that bad. Wow. And so he went to our program in Chicago for three weeks and it was insane what happened after he was done with his piece. Cause all I do is I help them. I help them when they tell me their story, what it may look like as a conceptual piece of art. Cause if I want to, if I want to introduce you to art, I can't just show you Picasso tell you why he changed his his figures 26 different times why he painted the color he did because you're still going to be like yeah looks like a sixth grader can do that yeah. but if you tell me your story about say a buddy that was shot and killed beside you and you you it was in um, msr mobile and you had to get him out and evacuate him all this stuff but i showed you what that image looked like as a picasso all of a sudden you understand what picasso was saying and how to how to do your own art so that's what i do he told me his whole story i helped him I helped create a piece in my head that what I saw it looking like. And I tell them when they leave the room, we can't use this piece, but you could use portions of it. And so he's kind of blown away by the idea of using equations in his own piece because he typically only used equations when he was going crazy. But he ended up doing this brilliant piece three weeks at the art program. He left there. And now, because I can get a ton into like his whole story and his art piece, but 
he now is represented by a gallery in Ohio, and he's had his work shown at the Columbus Museum of Art, and he teaches art programs at the VAs in Columbus. He went from being hospitalized in a VA to now teaching art to other veterans at a VA. That is amazing. What a great story. It's, uh, it's such a wonderful organization. It's, uh, and so unique. Um, it, it's just amazing. I am so you know, pleased that you've come on today. And, and you help so many vets. It, it really is something. How can vets, what is the process for vets to uh, contact you? Is there a form on your website? Yeah, if you go to creativevets.org, and that's, if you spell out creative, and then just put a TS at the end, um, .org, you go to our page, you can even listen to some of our music on there or see the art um, that veterans have created, but there's an application page, and you can fill out if you want to do art, music, a little bit of background on you. Do know that for the major programs, there's a little bit of a waiting list as we keep trying to raise enough money to keep bringing these veterans in and, and shore up this waiting list. But we also have alternative programs for veterans on our waiting list. We have a partnership with the Country Music Hall of Fame where we're hosting songwriting classes virtually to be able to go through there while you're getting ready to come through our songwriting program. So just because you don't get hit up right away, don't worry, because we'll find you and we'll pull you to a program at some point. It just takes a minute now. I see. The organization is called CreativeVets at creativevets.org. Richard, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a real honor for us. Thank you so much for having me again. That's it for this episode. Thanks again for joining me. Next time, my guest will be historian and prolific YouTube creator Paul Woodage, who operates the popular YouTube channel World War II TV. And I initially thought about trying to make proper kind of documentaries and I did a couple of them and found out that I hated it basically and so that's when I moved to, to doing the live stuff I my guest joins me live we record I press end stream and that's it it stands and falls on on how it was on the day that's next time and if you like what you hear please share the show on social media and follow me on twitter at Rob Child I'm Robert Child and this has been Point of the Spear Music licensed from audioblocks.com. Point of the Spear is produced by RSC Media Group.